0: Do you feel like you're living your life on purpose or are you merely living in reaction to the things and people that stress you out? Stick around for this interview with performance transformation coach Joe Burns on The Deeper Motivation Show. Welcome to The Deeper Motivation Show. It is I, your friendly neighborhood podcast host, John Carrier. Stick around while I interview experts in mind and body wellness and people just like you who have beaten burnout, broken through barriers and built balance for a life they really want. Are you driven and motivated, but feel like you need to dive deeper? Well, you've come to the right place because when it comes to taking better care of ourselves and achieving our goals, what most people know is just the tip of the iceberg. Greetings, iceberg. It is I, your friendly neighborhood podcast host, John Carrier, and I'm really excited to have you back for another episode of the Deeper Motivation Show. Today, we are talking to performance transformation coach, Joe Burns. Now, I got to know Joe at HMI Hypnosis Motivation Institute, where he is an instructor. He is also uh, a mentor of mine in that program, sort of taught me the ropes, uh, tested my skills to make sure I was up to snuff before working with clients. And now he is my personal hypnotherapist. Yes, That's right. Every hypnotherapist should have his own or her own hypnotherapist. A dentist can't drill her own teeth, as it were. Joe has this wonderful method called the Mind on Purpose program, and I'm really excited for you to hear from him how this works. You'll probably hear a couple of familiar things if you've been listening to this show or watching my YouTube videos. I learned a lot from him that I now use with my own clients and viewers and listeners. Joe has his take on it. I have my take on it, but I like to give credit where credit is due. But I also hate playing telephone, and I like to get out of the way and let uh, the master teach you himself. As a performance transformation coach, Joe works with artists and athletes and uh, anyone who's trying to reach the peak of their own performance he's got some great tools for that that he'll share with you today a couple of the tools in his toolbox will be familiar to the people who listen to this show Uh, he is a big believer in nlp as a way for kind of reprogramming some of the software we have joe also uses hypnosis which i'm also a big fan of as a way to take advantage of that natural state of relaxed focus uh, that kind of uh, accelerated learning pattern that human beings are hardwired for. Or Joe's a master at shaping that to help you focus on the things that are going to get you the most benefit. He's also just a mensch and a good dude. And like I said, he's my own personal hypnotherapist. I let him uh, fiddle around with my brain every other week or so. Working with Joe has been instrumental in helping me get this podcast off the ground and keep the YouTube channel going, as well as helping me formulate and frame and attack the goals that I have for myself over the next six months to a year. So I fully believe that if you're willing to give him just a little bit of your time today, he's going to have the same transformational impact on you that he's had on me. But before I hand the microphone over to Joe, there's something really important I want to let you know about. And I'm recognizing that we are in a time of year that is uh, about early January of 2023 when the show drops. This is a time of year where people are making and executing on resolutions. Making New Year's resolutions is a really popular thing to do for people who want to make big changes in their lives, whether that's uh, deciding to set off on a new adventure, a new career, learn new skills, maybe break old habits. A lot of people use this time of year to frame their goals around weight loss and exercise and maybe changing their body composition. This last part is something I'm really interested in, not only as a hypnotherapist, but also a performance nutrition coach and someone who throughout my life has made resolutions and had a hard time sticking to them in the past. There are some scientists who are curious about this phenomenon of New Year's resolutions and their longevity. They polled a bunch of people who made uh, New Year's resolutions and they found that something like 80% of those people who made resolutions abandoned them by february 1st so this year reflecting on my own past track record of keeping new year's resolutions as well as what i've learned about hypnosis and nutrition coaching and what i have put into practice for my clients i've designed this special challenge for you called the resolution reboot challenge going from stuck to unstoppable in 30 days. So, if you're somebody who's made resolutions, especially around your weight and your health and your fitness and your uh, mindset, your mental fitness, if you will, if you've made resolutions in these areas that you're really hoping to stick to, especially if you've made resolutions in these areas before and have been disappointed by your results, I highly recommend you check this out. Just go to deepermotivation.com forward slash resolution i've got a whole video there talking all about the challenge and what you can expect once you watch that video all you need to do is enter your email address hit a big green button and then you will automatically receive emails starting right away for the next 30 days and you will get uh 30 videos that's one a day for 30 days each one with a new totally doable challenge that'll take you seconds each day, maybe minutes, sometimes minutes. Those emails will also come with custom journal pages that you could use to help you integrate what you learn when you do the challenge. And here's the deal, if I'm sending you 30 emails, I expect you at any time you want to to reply to those emails with a question. So you get 30 days of coaching with me as you're going through this challenge. So if that sounds like something that you're interested in, go ahead and go to deepermotivation.com forward slash resolution get signed up let's start working together no charge to you at all you might even hear some great tips there that are similar to what you hear from our guest joe burns today as i said joe's been a great teacher and mentor of mine and now i take what i've learned from him and put that to work with my clients with great results but for right now let's go straight to the horse's mouth and hand it over no offense joe to joe burns coming to the microphone we have our friend Joe Burns, uh, who I know is an instructor at uh, at HMI, and I'm uh, really excited to have you on the show. Joe, did you always want to be a hypnotherapist?
1: Um, not, no, uh, it's not, it was not, you know, wasn't necessarily in the plans. Uh, I was a psych major in college and a theater major, and a um, uh, very strange path to to this, Um I, you know, just to give you my quick little backstory, um, I moved to LA, you know, left college, kind of traveled around a bit, had a company, a little small little company doing party cruises in Hawaii for a bit. So I kind of avoided having to grow up and then wanted to move to LA just because I wanted to be in the industry, the you know, the film industry, like every other Joe that moves to LA. And um quite by accident, I started working just uh at a at a a newspaper called Investors Business Daily, who was owned and run by you know one of the greatest genius investors of all time mm-hmm. trader and um he uh was what well, you know an, an amazing mentor taught me a lot about the stock market never ever pictured I'd be in the stock market either and because I had some stage experience they actually started putting me out there to do uh presentations you know I built a workshop series for them and worked for them for a while you know uh, eventually kind of hit hit the ceiling with what I could do with them went out on my own I worked a bit uh, with a guy that I was a fan of, and that's Anthony Robbins and and his organization through that organization Mm. and had really gotten into NLP. So I've been a a a neurolinguistic programming person um, for the longest time, had always been fascinated by hypnosis. I had when I lived out in Hawaii, um, my best friend and roommate, we used to go to the comedy club all the time and take big groups. And one day, the whole group couldn't go. And it was just, he, he's like, this is you and me go. I was like, okay, everybody kind of bailed on us. We went, I went on stage cause I wanted to experience it and, um, kind of was got, got in, but not what the stage hypnotist, hypnotists are looking for. And I just heard this story about this guy and now I like as I was kind of under the, you know, somebody said, who's this guy? Who's he with, you know, bring him up on stage. And, Lo and behold, there laying at my feet was my best friend who was stuck to the floor and went through the whole show. And he was the whole show and he was very shy. So I, I just was like, what is going on with this hypnosis thing, even as an NLP fan? And, um, you know, I, again, uh, HMI, Hypnosis Motivation Institute, is here in Los Angeles. And I'd always kind of been interested in it. I was going there more to get more NLP and to take that back out on the stage. Um, I really got burned out on working in the stock market. I, I was a, a trading coach. I, I you know, I mentored people, did seminars and workshops all around the world, from Singapore to London, all every major city in the United States and Canada. I loved being on stage. I loved helping people, and I loved working. I worked one-on-one. I worked in groups, kind of the way I'm building my practice now around what I do now, um, which just kind of got burned out on on um, the market. Um, most traders are gamblers. They're not, you know, traders, but it was, it's very much psychology and it's very mm-hmm. much the subconscious and it's very much the stuff that, that you know, you and I are fascinated by uh, and, and do. Um, but I was just burned out on the whole kind of money aspect of it. I, I still trade. I still actually trade for a few people and I, I still trade myself uh, and I still do work with some stock investors. But I really wanted to get into working with athletes. I was a college athlete. Uh, I played football at Villanova and just was not big enough or or talented enough to play at that level, I really, you know, kind of had to use my head both both physically <laughs> and, and both figuratively and physically, um, probably a little too much. But, you know, uh, I was fascinated by performance, what made, you know, uh, whether it's artists, athletes, uh, business people, um, and NLP is very much about modeling people like that. The mentor that I had in the stock market was very much about modeling the great stocks of all time and modeling the great traders of all time. So there was a real congruency through all of that. Mm. I wanted to take that pre-COVID, I was planning on kind of getting back out on stage, and I'm really at, at the point of doing that again. Um, with COVID, I, I started working one-on-one with people and fell in love with it, and I work with people all around the world. I work with artists, I work with athletes, and hypnosis has become one of my go-to tools as a coach and as you know somebody that is kind of a performance transformation coach. Um, Hypnosis is my real go-to, but teaching, teaching some cognitive aspects that will I'm sure we'll get into, and kind of you know the methods that I use and that sort of thing. But um, hypnosis is one of the very, very best tools because it really can help you to go back in and reprogram that subconscious mind, as opposed to you know uh, having to do repetition and having to you know uh, have association and repetition you know, so we can learn something or unlearn it even more importantly, so much faster than it took us to learn it in the first place. So it's kind of, that's kind of the roundabout way that I got to, into doing all this. Being, being a high
0: performance coach wasn't plan A, but it sounds like plan B through Z. It sounds like it's working for you.
1: I always love coaching and teaching. And, and I, you know, so I think that aspect of it, I, I didn't see, I, I, and I still don't really see myself as just, I mean, I say just, but as, as a classic hypnotherapist, you know, where I'm just you know, I typically do a lot more coaching, and hypnosis is one of my major tools in it. Okay, I do have people that'll come, you know, maybe just for stop smoking or something kind of, you know, that's more more traditional, or, or you know, they they want to, um, you know, work on a habit or they want to work on you know, sugar. Yeah, I have some clients now that have came to me um, for habit control or things like that, and what I love is they tend to stay a lot longer for the coaching. You know, we work on one aspect of their their life. And I come at it all from the same place, whether I'm helping somebody in three or five sessions stop smoking or, you know, work on the sugar control or, you know, something like that, or whether they're working on relationships or, you know. And what I'll have what I really love is is with a lot of my long term clients is they'll come and they'll work on one thing and then they're like, this is great. Now, now I want to work on this. And and what we're doing is fundamentally taking the same things that we worked on to help them with the relationship. Mm -hmm. And now they want to work on their career or vice versa. And we're taking that same kind of, how do you become your best version of you? How do you become, you know, the best kind of, version? I call it high vibration. You can just call it the best version of you, you know, your higher self. Um, You know, I always say with the, the program that I have is you're either on purpose or you're in reaction. And, you know, how do we get more on purpose? How do we become, instead of our survival self, how do we become our, I like to say, our thrival self?
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about that program. I mean, I know you're working with uh, individuals one-on-one, everybody's unique, um, but I also know you have this sort of macro approach to that, that sure. then you can customize in a lot of different ways. Um, tell me more about this uh, on purpose program that you mentioned.
1: Yeah. Um So, you know, there's kind of the the reprogramming the subconscious mind, and then there's the cognitive things that somebody can do. Um, and you know, I like to come at it from uh, again, how do we get out of survival mode into thrival mode? And you know you know from your experiences at h m i one of the big things we talk about is called theory of mind, and i have I don't know how unique a perspective on it, but i I kind of have a unique little story that I tell. I say, you know, let's say you and I are hunter gatherers and we're ten thousand years ago, we're you know in the same tribe, you know we were hunting partners, maybe, or something like that. and you know, we have a tribe of fifty people because that's kind of how our hardware is designed. And and mm-hmm. that's the thing is that this hardware, this this mind, this brain of ours, is very much the same as those hunter gatherers. And they're actually right. taking it back even much further than ten thousand years ago now. But um, you know, they they are coming up with the the idea that anatomically and in, in our brain and everything are, are very much the same. If you took a hunter gatherer from that time period and put them in your clothes or my clothes and in the Morgan. There's not the, the you know he's not going to look like a Cro-Magnon man or or have anything major difference um you know especially if we cut his hair put your glasses on him or something you know <laughs> something like that so you know but we have all this modern software that goes into this hardware mm. that makes us deal with things very differently so let's say you know we're walking to the watering hole all along the way we're going to be looking for signs you know, let's say we're out hunting and we don't have such a good day I mean, we don't do too well um you know I I, I missed. And, and, you know, you're, you're yelling at me the entire way to the watering hole like you, you had the shot at him. I, I chased him right into you. Why didn't you get the deer? Right. Whatever. Um, and, you know, so we can't go without water. So in our survival selves, we're looking for that watering hole because we can go without food for a day or two. But <laughs> we, we need that water. So we're looking for our tribe's watering hole. And we're going to be looking for signs all along the way that we're on the right path. What what would we be looking for? Vegetation, birds circling overhead, sounds of water, you know, mud, footprints, animal prints, pathways, things like that. And all along that way, we're going to get little dopamine hits, you know, that are saying you're little breadcrumbs of dopamine saying you're on the right path, you're on the right path, you're on the right path. And that's very much the same in modern society and how we motivate ourselves in relationships, how we motivate ourselves to all these types of things, right? Um, You know, and we are born with that fight, flight, I would say freeze. Is a big one that we're going to talk about, and the, the the fourth F. Well, there's really another one, Fawn, kind of, which means you know uh, uh, we'll designate to authority to stay in the tribe, and then the other one's fall in love, right? Procreate. I'll just use that as that's the, exactly the F yeah. word that I was thinking. of. That was exactly <laughs> trying to keep it PG here and keep you on YouTube. Um, so um, you know, if we get to the watering hole. And it's lush and it's beautiful, and we're now we forget all about me missing my my uh, my shot with the spear or whatever. And we're in the water and we're drinking it. We're gonna have a huge dopamine rush, saying you did well, like great job, you did great. It's the reward to tell you not only on the right path, but you made the right choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and now what's what's gonna happen if we get there and it's dried up, or, or, or uh, the enemy tribe is there, or it's got a dead animal and it's poisoned or something? We're gonna have a huge dopamine crash, telling us you can't keep doing this. You, you can go without food, but you guys can't go without water. You're not going to make it if you keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we set up expectations, we have expectations, you know, it's that same dopamine system that, that's, that's working and it's rewarding us. You know, it's like, uh, I always use the uh, movie, was it Indiana Jones where he's got to choose the the chalice, you know, the supposedly the, the Holy grail and
0: right. Last crusade.
1: Thank you. And uh, you know, the old, the old uh, knight is there and, and, you know, the Nazi chooses the really expensive one and his face melts off and he goes, you chose chose wrongly, right? And then Indiana Jones chooses the right one and he goes, you chose wisely. And that's what the dopamine system is doing for us. It's like either melting our face off saying you can't do this anymore, right? And so in survival mode, that is, is what's going to continue to happen. Now, on the way to the watering hole, everything's viewed through a threat lens and survival mode, right? Everything's viewed through. So if we're getting there and all of a sudden, you know, we see a saber-toothed tiger, he's looking away. He's doing his own hunting. He's not paying any attention to us. But we get a little further, all of a sudden, you, you know, you elbow me and the kitty's turning around and doing that little kitty crouch and starting to look at us. Um, now, what's going to change? Well, our breath is going to change. Our breathing's going to get very different. It's going to be very shallow. It's going to be, you know, up, up regulating. Um, our, our focus is going to change. And, and so, you know, two of the things that I want to change for somebody when they're dealing with their saber-toothed tiger in their own world, which might be they're having to deal with their ex, having to deal with their boss, having to deal with their kids, having to deal with themselves, you know, trying to lose weight, you know, that saber tooth tiger sends us into fight or flight. That hyper-focus on the problem sends us into fight or flight. But mm-hmm. the first thing we do is freeze, right? The first thing we're going to do is freeze. Now, we freeze, our breathing changes, our focus changes right? Our blood starts to move from our creative, our, our, you know, as uh, Joe Dispenza always talks about the quantum, you know, being in the possible, being in, Dwayne Dyer always talks about this. Um, and so what we did is very narrow focused. You and I are no longer thinking of the watering hole. We're no longer thinking of getting back to the tribe and our wives or anything. We're just thinking, we're looking at each other in froze, in freeze mode going, are we going to fight? Are we going to run? Right. And you're looking at me, going, "I think I can outrun you, Joe." <laughs> you know, we're we're trying to figure out. I don't, I don't have
0: to outrun the t- the tiger. I just, just have to outrun you, Joe. exactly.
1: Yep. And so, you know, that is us in survival mode. Mm-hmm. And here's here's the thing: is like I said, that same hardware is is now with modern software. So if we're focused on our phones all day long, that hyper focus actually sends us into a little bit of fight or flight. If we're focused on our problems all day long, right? And we're not in our thrival self. We're not in that that self where we're, you know, I like to use the word flow. When we're in flow, now we have our resources. Now now the blood is moving, you know, to our creative and our rest and digest, right, mm-hmm. and our immune system. But when that blood moves to our limbs because it's worried about fighting or, fo- or fleeing, right, then we're not creative. Uh, it's not going to our immune system because we're not worried about a virus or a pandemic when we've got the saber tooth tiger right in front of us. And so the saber tooth tiger is very different things for everybody that I work with, but it's the same body reaction. So, if we can change somebody's focus, right, and broaden their horizons, broaden that's why they use words like that throughout history. Uh, Words are very powerful. We can change the words that we say to ourselves. Mm -hmm. This is an opportunity for me. I get to deal with this. I've had a few clients this week. Dealing with pretty big things. Once they shifted their focus of like, wait a second, this is going to be the thing that actually. Once I get over this thing, I, I'm. And once they shifted that focus, all of a sudden you could see them. They they got empowered. They got you know it, they were no longer focused on the saber to tiger. They're focused on all the possible solutions. Um, and so I walk on a cognitive basis. I walk my clients through four real simple questions because there's four things we can control: our language to ourselves, our breathing. Right. If we shift our breathing, it's literally shifting our focus. We go to down regulating. It literally tells our body, "You're okay." Right. You're not. It's not the saber tooth tiger It's the quantum. It's the alpha state. It's it's the creative state. The language that we use to ourselves. I get to do this versus I have to do this. It's very different energy. And then uh, four questions. The questions we ask ourselves. Anthony Robbins always says this: that life is not just the the quality of of getting our answers. It's the quality of the questions we ask. Right. And so. Real simple one is when we're telling ourselves a story, how do we shift that story? Is it true? Is it true in the first place? What else could be true? What are the infinite other? Well, the second one is does it serve me to think it's true? Even if it is true, does is it serving me to think it's true? You know, my boss hates me. Okay, is that true? I think it's true. Is it serving you? No. Okay. What are the infinite other things that could be true? Right? And and so once you start to shift into that, now you shift from the problem to the solution, right? What I'm doing in hypnosis or teaching people to meditate. And that is shifting their focus and their breathing. So they're getting in that preferred state. And then the final question is the most important one. How's this move me forward? or what's the gift in it? And it's not even so important that the answer comes. Because, you know, if I ask, why does this always happen to me? Your brain goes, well, uh, let me see here. You know what? You want an answer from six minutes ago, six hours ago, six years ago when you were six years old? I got all the answers here that are going to tell you why you're, you know, in that kind of victim mentality that we all get into sometimes. Why is this always happening to me? your brain's got an answer. You go, what's the, what's the gift in this? Your brain goes, uh, can I get back to you? But it's starting to move towards the solution. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other piece to this that we know and dealing with our conscious and our subconscious is the knowns and the unknowns. And so just to keep going back to our little story, if if we're at the watering hole and all of a sudden, you know, you elbow me this time and 20, you know, guys with spears come up uh, some other tribe come up over, and kind of in the sunlight, we can't quite tell. First, we're going to freeze. Now we're trying to figure out do we, are they unknown? Are they an unknown? Are they a threat? Are they a known threat? <laughs> or are they just an unknown and we don't even know? And all of a sudden, I go, "Oh, I know these guys they are known. They're, they're the tribe next door. And actually, they brought some buffalo. They, they're like, "Hey guys, can we have some water? I know it's your watering hole. Have all the water. They give us some buffalo that's great. They leave, right That's a known, and that's a good no. So they, they, that's you know, and we can have good, bad, uh, knowns, But when it's unknown, right? It, it's we don't even think about good or bad anymore. We don't even think about kind of positive or negative. So you know, twenty minutes later, another tribe comes up over the hill, and yeah. you know, with their spears, and we look at each other. We freeze first, right? And we I don't know them. I don't know them now. That threat and that impossible threat. We don't even know if they're threat. They could be nice. We don't know. But that unknown is going to have such a negative, uh, call it a negative bias, right? And that negativity bias is because if they come and kill us and eliminate us from our tribe and from re- procreating and all the things, life itself, that's infinitely worse than this guy giving us a buffalo or some buffalo for the night. We eat once versus being eliminated forever. And so we're going to have a negativity bias. And so when we see a saber-toothed tiger or we see unknowns, We're going to move toward the devil we know versus the angel that we want if it's an unknown. And so helping somebody understand what they really want in the coaching process and getting on purpose. That's why I call it getting on purpose in the on purpose program, right? What are the things you can control when you control your inner world, your resource, your, your thrival. self? when you're starting to figure out what you really want, okay, well, is it a known or an unknown? And if that's not unknown to you, I I work with some women that have been in abusive relationships and you know, uh, all three major religions, all from five different countries in the Middle East, came in from, original, from arranged marriages and abusive marriages and got out of them and were like, I want a loving relationship. Well, if you bring that to your subconscious and your subconscious goes, that's, that's not us. That's not what we know. Even though it's something you want, now we've got to work on changing out the knowns and the unknowns. And that's where the hypnosis, the meditation, you know, helping them to really go in and reprogram those, those knowns and those unknowns
0: that's so powerful i think um as you're talking about this i'm I'm remembering i don't know where exactly i'm pulling this thread from but this idea that um and this is early in in the hmi training just sort of talking about the knowns and the unknowns these are things that click in our brain in the first few years of life right like we're born with you know a startle response and that's about it right, we, right. Like, I, and it's it's been a while since my kids were you know zero days old but i remember those right. the, when the when the um the the doctor at the, the hospital would be like watch this and, it's, and just like snap and they just splay or you t- or you rub the bottoms of their feet and they start pumping their feet like they're running right um and so that's but that's it. That's all babies are really wired for. And then we spend those first few years saying, um, oh, that big dog licks me. So that's positive. That stove, when it's that orange color hurt that one time. So uh, that's a that's another known. It's a negative known. But then. And I think this was this was a barrier that a lot of students have to go through is is saying that, like, you know, uh, known and unknown is not the same as positive and negative, right? You have knowns that are positive and negative and unknowns that are just unknown. But the really hard thing, important thing I think to realize, and and I don't know if you think this is true, um, sort of kind of test this hypothesis on you. In my experience, um, with myself, I'll just use I language here. Um, I have been in positions where it was more comfortable for me to go with what do they call it like the devil you know to to cling to um a a known thing even if i know it was bad for me versus a totally unknown thing yeah and you're talking about that kind of negativity bias that we have and i was i was just speaking earlier today to a sleep expert and she's talking about how um how just the modern world messes with us, messes with our hardware based on, you know, how much artificial light we take in, you know, through mm. screens and phones and all sorts of stuff. And it just, you know, it occurred to me like the last time that the, that the brain hit a plateau, like an evolutionary plateau and like stopped making new stuff was tens of thousands of years ago, if not more. And so, you know, that's, that's the, the hardware is caveman hardware. right and every pretty much everything since then has been a new bit of software or a new operating system right and that hardware is really good at keeping us safe um you know sometimes it's kind of clumsy about it and sometimes that hardware that for the most part avoids stuff you don't know you know if if you're fighting for starvation that's a like a that's a that's a winning strategy um but then what do you do when you're not a caveman? Right. And so how does that translate into what's, what's walking into your office today? I'm kind of curious as to like, are are you seeing any trends? As well, like, what kind of people are you working with?
1: So, you know, coming out of COVID and everybody in lockdown using Zoom, I mean, it's amazing. You know, you, you got to do four interviews today. I'm sure, you know, that you probably would have been tougher to do having, you know, because some of them probably weren't right next door. Right. And that's the beautiful thing about Zoom and the internet. And so even looking at the new software, the internet and things like that. Um, So there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of disconnect, even though we're connected. Um, But even if you go back to the, the, you know, the, the hunter gatherer thing in terms of how we, we deal with each other, we, you know, we weren't born to, to have, you know, 50,000 friends on Facebook and, and, you know, we were, we were born to to be in a tribe of 50 people. Um, Now that also meant that you had to, to really, you know, kind of be connected in that and being cast out meant what, so let, let's use our little story, right? Let's say um that tribe comes and we realize they're, they're just not, they're not friendly and we run away. Like we're kind of stuck. We're going, man, we, we should probably defend the watering hole, but there's only two of us. And th- we're going to really have a, a dilemma there because if we go home back to the cave and to, uh, to our tribe and the leader goes, you lost the watering hole. Well, yeah, there was 20 of them. I, I don't care. Like we need that water. Like you guys should have stayed at, and if we get kicked out of that tribe, what, what happens? It's certain death. We're not going to even just having two of us together. It's certain death. And so that also connects with what's walking in the door today and what's walking online and in, into our offices and that sort of thing. So that negativity bias, you know, if you look at Yelp, I know Yelp's probably not that bad. I'm, I'm old. I think, in terms of these old things. But, you know, whether you're talking Yelp or Facebook likes or Instagram likes or things like that, you know, they, they would basically say that if you get one bad review on Yelp, you need 30 good ones cuz you're going to focus on that one bad one and i see that so much with everybody that i'm working for whatever they're coming in for is they are so focused on that that thing and they're not focused on and so one of the big things that i work on and to answer your question more specifically you know i have a lot of people that are coming in that are you know really dealing with relationship issues whether it's relationships with coworkers or or exes or current husband's wives boyfriends girlfriends but it goes back to kind of this high vibration being your thrival self because that person's not only um that you is not only resource that you is sexy that you is attractive right that our lower survival self not very attractive i know for me certainly when i'm needy and, and i'm you know in survival mode and i'm you know in reactionary mode instead of my higher version of me I, i'm not you know i'm not Uh, I'm not the best. So working on getting people on purpose, whatever it is that they're, they're coming in for. So having a morning practice, having an evening practice, being aware throughout the day, I call the morning practice Gaia, gratitude. Um, I'm a big fan of Andrew Huberman. is he's, he's a neuroscientist. Mm-hmm. I would love to ha- see you have him on eventually. If he's he's been he's been pretty big. On you you and me both. I know that that'll mean that you really made it. Um, just putting that in the universe, Andrew Huberman. You can you can look him up on YouTube and 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 uh, just look up Andrew Huberman gratitude practice, and he mm-hmm. talks about it from this neuroscience that we were talking about the dopamine hits, because we we tend to think of gratitude, and I like that, that morning starting off high vibration as quick as possible, because if we and again. You know, there's other guys that talk about this. Joe Dispenza, Wayne Dyer. If you wake up thinking about your problems, stuck in your problems, and your your body's in those problems, you're 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 the same person that you you were. You know, just what was the one book that Joe Dispenza wrote? You know, breaking the habit of being you. I think it was breaking the habit of being yourself or something. Anyway, best-selling book. I should know the name of it. I love it. Um, But it's like breaking the habit of you. And so this idea of being in gratitude first isn't just about being complacent with what we have. It's literally telling your brain that you're. You're ready for more. It's giving you. It's telling you you're on the right path. You are moving forward. Because here's the thing: whatever they're coming in for, if they feel the word I hear the most, I would say, is this to kind of thread common thread amongst all of them. That feels stuck. And so again, if you and I are there with the the saber-tooth tiger, first thing we're going to do is freeze. But then we got to fight, or we got to run. We got to start throwing rocks at it, or we got to get skedaddle. What happens if we stay frozen? We are we're food. We're dinner like that, and so this idea of being frozen to our hunter-gatherer mind, to our our primitive mind, is worse than fighting. It's worse than it's worse than fight or flight. It's worse than you know any of these other things because that stuck feeling in our DNA is is literally saying you, you got to move, you got to be moving forward. And if you're not moving forward, that stuck feels like death to our subconscious, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know what happens is we we start to develop ways to keep that survival, or are, are we we call it the critical mind, right? So that critical mind right around nine or 10 starts to when when we're like you said with little kids, they're growing up zero to eight and they're in hypnosis all the time. That's why kids learn languages. That's why they can have imaginary friends and sit there with tea parties and they're just immersed in it. That's why they can, you know, watch the Muppet Show and just be fascinated. I kind of like the Muppet Show too, but um but uh, I think I've, I've kept that. Um, but this idea of being, you know, in constant learning mode, in absorption mode, up until about nine or ten, and then we start to develop the critical mind. I always use my son, who's you know older now, but when he was nine, that's when he started asking about Santa Claus, and that's when he started, look, well, wait a second, you know, we don't even have a chimney. Like, how's he get into our house? And I have a friend's house that has chimneys, but chimney's like this big, and he's a big fat guy. How's he get in that chimney? I I, got, I bought myself another year. Then I just said, "Do you want to take a chance?" He's like, "No, no, I'm just asking." I'm just, but you know, it's that it's that kind of you know. So, it, it, and if we don't have that, that critical mind is really appropriately named. It's critical; it has to happen, or we stay in, in. You know, we our development is retarded. I'm not using that word gratuitously. I'm saying you know our development doesn't happen right mm-hmm. at, at the at the pace that it should. Number one, and and number two, it's very it, it critiques things. You know. So that if I told you, right, oh my gosh, right now, John, the the sky's turning purple out here. You're going to go, oh, wait a second. Is Joe, is is he trying to tell, is there a point? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Have I ever seen a purple sky? I know Joe's got a weird sense of humor. Is he just being funny? Is he trying to mess with me on my podcast? What's going on? You're critiquing it based on your notes, Mm -hmm. based on your experiences, your knowns, the things that you've gone through. And you're kind of going, wait a second, does this fit my kind of my, my model, my worldview? And then finally, it becomes our own worst critic so that it's because it's trying to protect us it's trying to keep us from being disappointed. So, you know, you go I'm going to work out this morning. And it goes, "No you're not." <laughs> but what I try to get my clients to do is to start thinking of that as not something they want to fight with. Because if you get in an argument with it, you give it energy, you're going to stay in that survival mode. You're you're mm-hmm. but if you look at it like, okay, it, you know, you're the boss. So look at it like, you know, you, I, if you if we you started a restaurant and you hired, you know, uh a bunch of great people, but you haven't been able to go there because you've been so busy. And you go, Joe, let me take you down here. And we get there. And there's this wonderful gal at the front desk. And she's like, look at the lion, guys. You know, Sorry. You know, you, you, you're not going to get in. Are you going to scream and yell at her? Or are you going to pull her aside and go, what's your name, honey? Becky. Hi, Becky. I'm John. This is my place. This is my friend. That's my owner's table over there. You're doing a great job. Thank you. But you work for me. Right. And so once we start to get that voice, that ego, that protecting us voice on our side or at least understanding it works for us. And so when it starts to squawk up, you know, I I was dealing with a client, um, you know, that was worried about losing a relationship. And, you know, and I said, well, if you're focusing on that and you're worried about losing it, you're probably not your best self. You're probably you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can. You know, get away from that. But when you have that critical mind going, well, this is happening. This is going to happen. This is going to happen to you. This is going to happen. It's like an overbearing mom. They they don't have, they, they don't have, they don't, they don't want to hurt us. They have our best interests in mind, but they're not necessarily going about it the right way because they're in fear and they're trying to protect us. And so, having that critical mind, you know, understand that it works for you. So you know, and I like to think of it as a sock puppet. So you make it funny, and you start to, you know, instead of think, seeing it like a monster that's that's hurting you or, or something, see it like the sock puppet. So it's like you know. A, I'm going to work out this morning. No, you're not. I did the last three days in a row. I'm doing pretty great. Okay. (laughs) You know, And, and so if I can get my clients laughing a little bit about that and myself laughing about it a little bit and not taking myself so seriously when that little voice squawks up and understand that it's trying to help us. And you know what we do in hypnosis or meditation is we go past that. So we're getting past that bouncer, that you know that gal at the door that's mm-hmm. you know handling the table selections, or, you know what I guess the book they call her hostess, you know or um, you know so once we get past that, we can get in that subconscious mind. We can start to change out the old programs. we can start to you know make the things that they want unknown. And so the woman comes in and she's been in an abusive relationship, but she wants a loving relationship. We can get in there and start to make her feel worthy of that, make her understand that that's unknown for her now, so that that critical mind. Is looking for you know a reason to not let something in it going, oh well, I guess it's on the list now for us. That's okay. This is okay now, right? And so that's what combining the cognitive part, doing the morning practice of having gratitude. I call it Gaia, G-A-I-A, like Mother, Gaia, Mother Earth, whatever. Um, you know, just an acronym so you can remember it. Um, all my mentors all had acronyms, so I'm very acronym focused. But Gaia is gratitude first. Get something high vibration. Get in something. So you're you're telling your, your brain, there's things in my life I'm really happy with. And then, yeah, we'll manifest those other things that we want. And, and kind of how do we get in gratitude for those and be in the feeling first, as Neville Goddard used to say, as Wayne Dyer used to say, um, you know, how do we get in that feeling first and be grateful for it? As it, the, he used to say, the wish fulfilled, the, you know, um, be in that place with the wish fulfilled so that you're already kind of in that place and you're already starting to see yourself with that relationship that you want. You're already starting to see yourself with the job that you want or the relationship with your boss that you want or you're making the money that you want. And once you start to see that as a known, now you start to become that thrival self. You're in your higher vibration, as I like to call it. And you can look at that like kind of in the woo sense. Oh, you know, you're vibrating and vibrating these things in your life. You know, people talk about that law of attraction. I believe that it took me some time to believe that because I came very much from a, you know, kind of psychology performance. But um, but I do believe that. But here's the thing is your best self is resource. Your best self is creative. Your best self, you know, is is manifesting, always manifesting. We're always making things kind of happen. And once we take ownership of that as well, it takes some responsibility of that. So the guy is gratitude. I want to align with that. I want to set my intention today, maybe even affirmation. And then throughout the day, I want to be aware from when I slip from that. I want to be aware of when something hits me, kind of knocks me off guard. I'm not on purpose. Maybe, you know, I was expecting my boss to say something great about the, the project that I, I wrote. And all of a sudden they come in and they're like, this is, you, you, this, this won't do. Now, Now you slip into survival pretty quickly. You slip into reaction very quickly. How can you look for the opportunity in that? How can you look for the, you know, and how can you get back up into higher vibration? And then the evening practice is very simple. And it's the most important part of my on-purpose program, giving yourself credit. Because I had the best parents in the world, but just we're just not taught that as a society, you know, especially I think in a Western society, you know, um, Eastern societies tend to look at that from a sense of power, strength, but also humility, you know, here in Western society, we're taught, you know, don't, don't go bragging too much, you know, don't go, don't go. So we're not really taught to give ourselves credit, right? We're taught to have that critical mind go, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not, you know? And so that idea, and you don't have to post it on Facebook. You don't have to put a, I always joke here in LA, you know, put a billboard up, you know, bragging about something. It's just right before you close your eyes, because again, as you know, from your training at HMI, we're very suggestible that first half hour of the morning as we're coming out of deep sleep and coming into awareness, we're going through that alpha phase. We're going through that hyper So if we're on our phones or looking at the news or looking at something, low vibration, it's going to, it's going to affect our day. And then we're very hyper suggestible as we're going to sleep at night. And so if we're on our phones or looking at the news or, you know, so we really want to be kind of in looking at something positive as your sleep expert said, limiting, you know, the blue light, eliminating the, you know, the, um, all of the things that are going to keep us in fight or flight and uh, and keep us in, you know, and mess with our, our hormones in terms of sleep. But being in that place where you can really give yourself credit. So I like to say most of us like to focus on our to do list when we go to bed, Oh, you know, all the things we didn't do, all the things on my honey do list that my wife's going to remind me of anyway, uh, that I didn't get done. Um, but we tend to do that. Right. I forgot to go to the bank today. Oh, I didn't call John. I was supposed to call John about that thing. I, I, I didn't make the appointment for my car, you know, but I like to flip that. To the to done list. So instead of focusing on the things that are outside of you that you didn't do, focus on the things you did. Give yourself credit. You know what I did today? I went on, I had a great, great session with John. You know, that was very high vibration. You know, really giving myself credit because that's what's going to start to rewire the knowns and the unknowns as much as the hypnosis and the meditation, right? You give yourself credit for working out five times in a row. The next time you say I'm going to work out, that little critical mind goes, well, I guess guess he's been doing it. (laughs) Okay. And that's how we start to build new habits, new habits of high vibration, new habits of our best self, new habits that are going to serve us and get us there. So morning practice, aware throughout the day, and then have just that little evening practice, really giving yourself that pat on the back and really giving yourself credit. And that's the most important part of it.
0: That's a a great program overall. The pieces of it um, really come together. So I I want to... pull a couple of threads here um, that I've heard. One, um, going back a few minutes, uh, I really love what you said about um, gratitude is not the same thing as complacency, right? Which I think is is where we get stuck in this kind of hustle and grind culture that we have is we're always focusing on our deficiencies, like what's not done yet. Right, Mm -hmm. and to be grateful, you know, for some some people might see that as 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 um, as not being if you're if you're grateful, you're not humble, right? Because you're like, oh, I have this, and just saying it out loud means that you know this is this is something I have that's secure, and I can never feel secure because then I might stop hustling, right? So this thing of uh, of voicing gratitude not being complacency but that kind of dopamine signal which means i now have the the lived experience of getting to this point which means i can get back to this point anytime i really need to because i have that because that is a no now and i love that you you know brought it back into um the women that you've worked with who are looking to who've had terrible relationships and say i want a good relationship and you're like okay what's that like and it's like, I, I don't know, but I, I saw it in Oprah or I read about it in a book. So I've heard there's this thing called good relationships, but they don't have any kind of known resource to tap into. And so when you can start saying you're grateful for certain things, um, that's like those little dopamine signals saying, okay, I've gotten to this point, right? My, my foundation is now higher. My foundation is now higher and it keeps stepping it up. So you're moving it in the right direction. Um, and then. Uh, I, I love this to done list, and I've, and I've been ever since you and I started working together. I've been I've been using this um, because there's a compulsion, instinct, culture, what have you, to kind of go to bed deficient, yeah, um, I, I, in that sense of okay, how do I move myself forward? I need a cliffhanger. Here's all the stuff I didn't get done today, right? And, and think, oh, here's the things that I didn't cross off, right? Because um, and, and as you pointed out, it's that half hour when we, wake, when we wake up, that half hour before we go to bed, that our, our minds, uh, conscious or subconscious, probably subconscious, are most fertile for planting those seeds. And so if what we're planting when we wake up is, wow, here are all the, here are all the holes I need to fill right so that's setting up our day for filling holes as opposed to planting trees in the in those holes um, if we go to bed kind of coaching ourselves saying all right here's how deficient i was today we're we're setting ourselves up and so, and so as as again this the sleep person was talking about you go to sleep and that's when your brain reorganizes your memory right right and so if the last thing that went through your head was you know, I'm behind. I'm, I'm deficient. Not enough. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have enough. I'm not enough.
1: I'm not doing enough. I didn't that's, do enough. Right? That
0: stuff's getting, that's going from Ram to ROM. like that stuff's getting hard coded. And then you wake up in that deficient state again.
1: So people wonder why that's their known, right? And that's their experience. And and again, you know, as Joe Dispenza says, if you wake up in the morning and, and you're still stuck in that, then you're, you're just reliving the past over and over and over again, as we know. So I, I, the idea of the gratitude in the morning is that you're moving forward. The idea that you give yourself credit at night is that you move forward today. And so that idea is you're not stuck. You're not in, you know, freeze mode. You're, you're, you know, you might even be in flight or flight a little bit, but you're moving forward. And that's what our, our brain wants to know. We're moving forward to the watering hole. We're moving forward towards, you know, food. We're moving forward towards, you know, uh, our, 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 our goals. It's just now we're taking those to higher goals. And so, um, and, and, and by the way, it's not, it's not that there's not a place And a time for your to-do list, right? Um, You know, you. you, I I still believe very much a to-do list because I think writing things down and kind of, you know, um, but it's that idea of not of of not focusing on the lack, the things outside yourself, the the not doing enough, the not being enough, those types of things. Right before you go to sleep, when you're really suggestible, there's a time and place for it. Um, Eventually, what I work on with people, especially when they're working on business and career stuff, is kind of uh, career things is is how you set up your week, like having a Sunday where you compartmentalizing and go, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be my manager this week, right? The, 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 on Sunday, maybe for like an hour or two, right? I'm going to be, I'm going to be the manager. I'm going to sit myself down. <laughs> I, I have a lot of these principles that are maybe a little psychotic and in, in the, in the different personalities of the breaks, but I, it's also, you know, if you look at young or you look at you know these these personality states or these ego states. It's very much the way we organize things anyway. But I want to be you know. And now, what kind of manager do I want to be? Right. I don't know about you, but I've had really good managers it, when I've had jobs in the past. You know, uh, I like being my own manager now. But I've had really good managers in the past. I've had really really lousy ones. You know, I've had ones that were very micromanaging and and very much focused on all the things I didn't do and 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 that sort of thing. And then I had other ones that would sit me down, maybe weren't micromanaging. But every week or once a month, sat down and said, "Hey, these were these were our goals. How'd we do? Man, you really did great in these things. These things we still got to work on, right? These things we still have on our to do list. Let's let's figure out how do I support you in doing that, right? And that was the great manager. So, who do I want to be for myself? Who do I want my clients to be for themselves when they sit down and they do that work? Maybe it's once a week or each, you know, at some point during the day. Be the good manager, right? You know, nobody wants to work for somebody that's micromanaging and always seeing the bad things that we do." We wouldn't want to work for somebody like that. And yet we'll do that to ourselves. You know, we'll be that manager to ourselves. We'll be that hypercritical. That's that critical mind. Again, putting it in its place and realizing it's really trying to keep us from being disappointed. It's actually not trying to break us down. It's trying to keep us, you know, it's trying to keep us in survival. It's trying to help us survive, right? It's trying to keep us in survival mode. But that's not the thrival us. The thrival us is in that high vibration. And all of these guys that talked about coming from that feeling first is if you can start to feel it, you can start to move more into that alpha state throughout the day. You're not in that fight or flight mode. You're you're more in the quantum. And and by the way, what I I see in relationships all the time is that when you're in that, all of a sudden your partner, your wife, even your ex. I have some people that come to me and it's like, I just I have a good relationship with my ex. I just don't want to be, you know, uh, in in the community that we live in. I just don't want to be at all. We, I just We share children together, whatever. And the minute they kind of step up. And you know they're in that they're in that place. Uh, all of a sudden, it's just much more attractive. And you know, people are attracted. That and I, by attractive, certainly we can talk about it in terms of a dating or a sexuals. You know, you know, mating type of. But I mean, like attractive, to, people want to work with you. People want to be around that. People want to work. F- you know, for you with you. Uh, you know, whether you're, you're their therapist or their coach, or whether you're you know just in a in a an office environment. And and what I I love getting back from my clients is having people get start to give them compliments that they've worked with for you know maybe a year or two years and they're going man something's different about you you look great did you lose weight did you you know you just you have this something about you and and you know we know it we see it we're attracted to it ourselves we, you know when somebody just has that kind of magnet. magnetic personality. And that's just what we want to get to in terms of being that high vibration, that best version of us, that thrival. I like to joke that it's instead of survival mode, it's thrival mode. And, you know, uh, and quickly, how quickly we can ask the right questions, use the right language, get ourselves there, and then start to really change out these knowns and unknowns, both, you know, through a practice of meditation and hypnosis. And then also, you know, when we close our eyes at night, really giving ourselves credit so that you're locking in the good things that you've done. You're telling, you're, you're, that's that new habit really, really establishing itself. So I love this and and
0: uh, this is a decision that I just made on the fly, live here on the internet, everybody. Um, now all my self-talk is gonna be done in the voice of one of my favorite managers of all time, uh, Bill Monahan, who I work with uh, back in Minneapolis. Best best boss, uh, I've had a lot of good bosses. Um. What I really appreciated about Bill, besides his kindness, was his thick South Boston accent. <laughs> Bill Monahan. Anne. Anne. Bill Monahan would, uh, you know, he was just, he was just a great, great leader of his team. Um, really took care of people as human beings, and so now all my self talk is going to be with that thick South Boston accent. I love it. you know, you're, for, you're from Conne- you, I think you're from Connecticut, part of your life, so you know what that sounds like. I
1: know what that sounds like. Um,
0: like the the Red Sox cheap seats, right? Yeah. Um, socks. The socks. Uh, so so, thank you for putting that into my head. Um, we were talking about billboards a minute ago. It was like LA. Uh, I don't know if everybody else in the country has billboards about like a show that's coming out a month from now. Maybe that's just in LA. Um, but I'm thinking of other billboards. So I'm thinking if, you, if you'll rock it with me across the country to New York City. Just a little, little thought exercise I like to do with my guests. Times Square. You been to Times Square? Oh yeah, I, I hate Times Square. I'm a huge uh, crowd phobe, but that's that's neither here nor there. Maybe you and I can work on that in a session sometime. Um, <laughs> but Times Square, walking through Times Square at night, it's just it's lit up like daylight. All these billboards and signs and stuff. Let's say you get a phone call from the Times Square people, and they're like, "This is a really embarrassing, Joe. Coca-Cola didn't pay its bill this week, and so we have this huge billboard with nothing to put on it. Somebody gave us your name." You know, you're you're going to have the attention of ten million people for 24 hours. What do you want to put on that billboard?
1: Uh, that's boy, it's a great answer. Uh, it's a great question. Uh, um, again, you know, having these great questions. I what I try and tell people is you're either on purpose or you're in reaction, right? So how do we get you on purpose? How do we take you from survival mode to thrival mode? You know, um, so if I was going to have I'm working on a TED talk now, you know, that's that's really kind of the the version of the 15 minutes that I would want to have on you know the TED stage. Um, and I think having that on a billboard of like, how do we get you from survival mode to survival mode? How do we get you moving forward? And that's what I really work on with people in the On Purpose program. And I, I'm looking forward to taking that on stage now and working with bigger groups like I, I did for years and years and years and years, and, you know, for 20 years of doing that and in front of 100,000 people worldwide. Um, not at once, <laughs> but you know, in, in total. Um, that'd be nice. Uh, it's probably, the, the, I, I think, uh, you know, these guys know what that's like. The Oasis guys, they, they, they I think they sold out a hundred thousand 10 days in a row or something like that. But, um, I, I, I just want, um, I want people to understand that, um, but it doesn't have to be, you know, stuck. It doesn't have to be in survival mode. I want people to understand that really they can get on purpose and be high vibration and, the clients that I have that are willing to do just a little bit of the work. So, you know, I always tell them, it's not just me snapping my fingers in hypnosis and hypnosis and all, all your problems go away. We know that, right? But it, it certainly is a very, very powerful, you know, shortcut to getting those knowns and unknowns. But if you're willing to do that work a little bit and, and get in that and, and just kind of, and have a good coach, you know, that's why I believe in mentorship so much Is I want to have, I've had great mentors in, in the stock market. I've had great mentors in terms of life. And so, you know, that would be my message to people is get yourself a good coach. You know, if you look at Tiger Woods, you look at uh, Michael Jordan, you look at um, and this might be the ad. This might be what I put on the billboard. You know, if you look at Steve Jobs, they all had several things in common. They had great coaches and mentors and they believed in hypnosis and meditation. Steve Jobs went back east to study meditation for years before creating, you know, creating Apple and then that, it used it all through Apple. Michael Jordan, you know, had Phil, uh, you know, Phil, uh, that not only was a great basketball coach, but turned him on to meditation and had, you know, the Bulls and the Lakers doing all, all of this meditation. Kobe Bryant talks about it all the time, how he, he was taught meditation through, through doing that and what he would think at night and what he had, and he would build into his routines. Tiger Woods used hypnosis from when he was very little, all the way through his championships. And he used that, you know, that will and that meditation uh, and, and, and hypnosis as tools. So he had amazing coaches to work on his swing. And then he had, you know, amazing practices that would get him in that quantum and that theta. And, and you know, I think that's why all of those people that we mentioned were so successful and were outliers in their industries, because they had great coaches that taught them certain techniques that they could use, but then they also used, you know, this idea of getting past that, that fear factor, getting past that, you know fight, flight, fear, um, saber-tooth tiger. Um, and that's that's I, I think the way that I would express it to the average person.
0: All right, so let's take it from the average person down to one person. Do a little bit of swooping here, a little zooming. I don't know if it's swishing exactly, but um, yeah. uh, so I just want to change our change our scale and scope. We go from this billboard on Times Square, zoom all the way down pinhole size. You're coming through the speaker of one person's car, right? Somebody's yeah. listening this podcast. They're on their way to work to face something they don't want to face. Uh, they're on their way home from a bad day, maybe into a worse evening, um, and they feel like they're in that freeze. What do you want to say to that one person?
1: Well, so the way I present it when I first sit down and meet with somebody, right, and and this could be through the the speakers of their car, car, or you know, when they actually come in and sit down with me, I tell two quick little stories. One is, you know, when my son was eight, nine, and and uh, we, I had to take him to to uh, go shopping for the rest of the family three weeks before Christmas. I'm taking an eight year old, you know. To and, and at that time, it was just Target because Toys R Us had already gone out of business. He used to curse Amazon for the longest time. Now he gets all his stuff on Amazon. But, you know, he's going, eh, they drove my Toys R Us out of business. We used to love to go there. So we're taking him to Target, which has a nice toy section. And, you know, I'm just getting some other knickknacks for family. We're meeting my dad later on. You know, and I know that I'm taking a, a, a t- an eight-year-old to a toy store, right? And asking him to, you know... Be respectful that the three weeks is is Christmas and Santa Claus and everything. So I told him. Now this is me getting very on purpose. This is me being my high vibration self. I wish I could always say I was his dad, you know, because I can be pretty reactional. We all can, right? Um, when we're in survival mode, or we feel attacked, um, even by you know, some, some, the closer we are to somebody, the, the more this would happen. But anyway, we get there and. um, you know, we walk in the door and, and um, I see some baseball cards right there. And he had just gone to a party. He's not all that into baseball. I said, hey, you want some baseball cards? He goes, well, that's not the one thing, right? Because I, I promised him he'd get one little thing, right? I said, no, this is an extra thing. So we got the baseball cards. We started doing some shopping. And then pretty soon, you know, he goes around and and uh, I'm getting ideas as Santa Claus. You know, I'm getting all the ideas that I wanted, you know, and then he stops by these little kind of Lego figures for Halo that he loves, five bucks. I'm like, yes, this is perfect. There's like six of them, different ones. So he's looking at him, looking at me, looking at him, looking at me. Of course, what does he ask? Can I? Can I get two? And every part of me, you know, wanted to give him that thing, but I'm going to buy the other five for his, you know, Christmas, you know, stocking or whatever. So I was like, no, dude, you know, we talked about this. You just choose one. And he went through all of the things that we all go through. He went through, what if they're not there? He went through that lack mentality. You know, I said, you know, Santa Claus has got his connections. Don't worry. Just you know, put it on your list and you know, but I just can't choose. And 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 then he started crying and then he started flipping out and I was getting very reactional, but I knew I, I was like, no, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to have a boundary. One of the things I work on with my clients. Right. And so long story short, now all the parents are starting to look at me. Now I'm feeling really judged. And this one lady comes around the corner and she's definitely judging me. She's got that look on her face. And now I'm, you know, I'm feeling really judged. And I, you know, I'm telling them I'm staying in this. Well, don't worry. We're gonna go listen. I don't approve of what you're doing. I love you. I don't approve of what you're doing. But this is what's gonna happen. We're gonna choose one or I'll choose one. We're gonna wash your face off. We're gonna go out for dinner with your grandfather. We're gonna have a good day. But when she started looking at me, I started to feel that real reaction. And that's where I started to come up with the questions. I thought really quickly, like, is it true? What if she can't have chicks? You know, she wasn't able to have kids. What if she's looking at me going, Oh my God, I had kids and glad mine are all grown now. I don't have to deal with that, right? What if she just has an upset stomach? And she got gas. I don't know. Now, it's really easy to do that with her versus my wife or, you know, somebody that's dealing with their ex or somebody like that. But when you go through those questions and you start to think of all these other things and you start to realize that you're just trying to look at like our hunter gatherer mind has to look at it and know it right away. Like if we're walking to the watering hole and the spider drops down, we got to know right away, is that the spider that's going to kill us or the spider we can eat and split it. Right. And I know that's gross, but it, you know, we got to know right away. We got to know for survival's sake. So when we get in this low vibration survival mode, we've got to know right away and we make it something right away. And oftentimes the things we make it are not serving us. They're not, you know, they're, they they do not work for us. It's a story that we're telling ourselves that we're staying stuck in, right? And so that's the first thing I tell them. I always say, be the dad in the toy store, not the eight-year-old, because I've turned into the eight-year-old myself, right, when I've wanted something. And you know what was great is I I just stayed in that place. I stayed in that place. I stayed in that place. He went and he washed his face. And about 10 minutes later, he just looked up at me. And all of a sudden, instead of being eight, he's like a 20-year-old. He goes, Dad, I'm really sorry. I love you. Thank you so much. And I don't know who that was back there. But so staying in those boundaries when you're dealing with your ex-wife or you're dealing with your ex-husband or you're dealing with somebody that's you know or you're dealing with somebody that you love but you're just you you know they know how to trigger you because don't we all went the closer we are right the closer the spider is the more jeopardy the spiders way over there no big deal the closer we are to somebody so that's number one in our relationships number two i always tell the story if that same eight-year-old my son comes and i i you know forgot to take care of him or get him a sitter or my wife couldn't and i bring him into my office he's sitting out in my lobby you walk in and I say, John, I need a favor from you, right? I forgot his iPad and, you know, these kids, they need it. Can you lend them your phone? And you're like, lend them my phone? I don't even lend my kids my phone, <laughs> right? But this time you're like, okay, you know, we're, we've heard good things about Joe. We're going to have a breakthrough. And you lend him your phone. And he puts all these things on your phone, Fortnite and all these games these kids play and everything. And we do. We have a great session. And you almost forget as you're walking out. And he answers, was you, John? You know, and the first thing you got to do in that, you know, eight-year-old hands you your phone is you got to wipe it clean because it's all god only knows. It's all crusty, but then you notice he's put all these things on your phone that don't serve the adult you, right? Now I know the answer. You're not going to haul off and hit my kid. You're going to pat him on the head and go, "Thanks, Connor," and you're going to take it outside. The minute you get outside, you're going to take those programs off, right? If you can't take them off, you're going to take them down to the Verizon guy or the AT and T guy or gal or whomever that can take those off and say, "Hey, this eight year old put these things on. I can't figure out how to get this, you know, these apps off." And I say that's the work that we're going to do together. And so if you're asking me to drill it down to like one line. One person, one line. I want for you, when I'm working with you or when I'm working with somebody, I want you to get to be the person you want to be versus the person you were programmed to be. And First, let's find out what that is. Let's get on purpose, I always say, right? So let's have a morning routine. Let's have an evening routine. Let's get in some things that start to make you feel great. Let's do some breath work. Let's teach you, you know, you, you get to working out. These other things that you want peripherally that make you feel good about yourself. Build some habits there. Get on purpose. And then ultimately what we want to find out is what is your ultimate purpose? What do you really, What what's your purpose in life? Like, we, But let's get on purpose first, build these new habits and then find out your purpose and then help you program that life for yourself.
0: So for the person who just heard that coming through the speaker, and that's exactly what they needed to hear today. How do they get in touch with you?
1: Uh, they can go to the Mind on Purpose, which is my website. Um, see some testimonials, see some people that I've worked with. Um, I'm putting more and more and more of those on there. We have, I think, we have you know a, a good number now, but we're just getting more and more and more, which is great. So the Mind um, They can go to Joe Burns the mind op, at Gmail. And just Joe joeburns, J-O-E-B-U-R-N-S-T-H-E, mind op, so mind on purpose, op, at gmail.com and email me. And they can also, I think if they click on the website, it'll send it to that email as well. And yeah, I always tell people, reach out, let's have a conversation. I'm a big believer in fit. If I'm not a fit, I want you to get the change. And I want you to get the coaching. And there's plenty of people that are good in our industry that we know. And, and sometimes they're a better fit and that's okay. But if we're a fit, then I, I really talk about how we get to work and how we get them, you know, to first get on purpose and then ultimately find their purpose. Joe Burns, everybody. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, John. I really appreciate the time and I appreciate the opportunity to come here.
0: And thank you, dear iceberg, for the opportunity to hang with you today, to share Joe's wisdom with you. I hope you got as much out of listening to Joe as I always do. If you want to get in touch with him and possibly work with him, I'll have all his info in the show notes at our website, Deeper Motivation. Dot com. There you'll find all the resources that we talked about today, in addition to a complete transcript of the show. And one more time before we wrap up, I just want to make sure you are considering joining our Resolution Reboot Challenge. That is a special program that I put together for you if you are looking to get on track or stay on track with your New Year's resolutions this year. And heck, if you're listening to this in February or March or next November. And you're like, hey, what happened to my New Year's resolutions? You can join it at any time. It'll still be there for you. In fact, that's the perfect time, uh, let's say November, to get back on track with your New Year's resolutions before the next year. So check that out, sign up, get 30 days of videos along with 30 custom journal sheets for you to download and fill out and integrate everything that you learn as well as 30 days of access to coaching with me. And in that program, I'll give you all the things that I've learned that have really just been a game changer for me in terms of setting the right resolutions, keeping my resolutions, keeping on track and having amazing results. So thank you for considering joining that challenge. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and my wonderful guest, Joe Burns. Until next time, friend, stay chilly. Thank you for joining us today for the Deeper Motivation Show. All the resources mentioned today, as well as a full transcript of the show, can be found at our website at deepermotivation.com. If today's episode made you happy, leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, is just the sort of thing that happy people do. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss a single weekly episode. One more thing, last but not least, before we go our separate ways, I wanted to offer you something I have prepared for you. Based on my own studies and research and my own personal experience of being a driven person who I'll admit has not always been so good at keeping my balance in life, keeping my head in the game or keeping myself healthy for those I serve and those I love. It's a brief guide entitled, Four Things Driven People Need to Beat Burnout, Break Barriers and Build Balance for a Life You Really Want. I know the title's about half as long as the whole guide, but I want you to know exactly what you're getting. If that sounds like something you want or something you need, Head on over to deepermotivation.com forward slash four things and get your copy today. That's deepermotivation.com forward slash the number four, the word things all smushed together. Until next time, remember that you are so much more than what people see on the surface. And until we meet again, stay chilly, my iceberg.